Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. And so if you'll just turn in Luke chapter 2, we're going to be really focusing on the portion of scripture that deals with the shepherds. And last week we were uh, dealing with a portion of scripture that dealt with Joseph and with Mary. And um, this morning, as we talk about this, I, I pray that there's uh, an ability of the Holy Spirit to not let you, uh, you know, if you've heard the Christmas story, it's super easy to, to zone out. It's super easy to tune out. And every year when I stand here and I share anything from that, I always say, God, Show us something new because deep calls out unto deep. And there's the, the scripture, I'm telling you, every time uh, this week I've been looking at things and like, man, I've never noticed that. Like one of the things that I, I had not noticed, there's a pattern of heard, told, said, see. Like there's this pattern throughout this that if you'll get ready and you'll underline or circle those words, any words, like there's, there's a connection between things that they heard or were told, things that they saw, things that they went and said. So heard, see, said, recognized, told, any of these words that uh, they, they can be used as synonyms for one another. And it's like, wow, I never saw that until this year until I was studying this out. And that's not what I'm going to talk to you necessarily about today, but I'm just saying that you can always see a depth that you've not seen there before because it's like layers that you just peel back. And so in this series, we're talking about the, 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 really the bearing of gifts, being gift bearers. What gifts do we have to bring for a king? And last week, man, that message to me was a powerful message to me personally talking about how God, he brought things out of the scripture, how God brought uh, the scripture alive through Mary and through Joseph and the fact that they gave total surrender. They gave uh, really Mary the, the, the greatest sacrifice was her complete life, but following long right in line was Joseph. They're surrendering to the physical force in their body, the giving of their lives. They practically could have been, you know, giving up that and embracing death in saying their yes to God. That's the ultimate gift. Jesus said that to us. Greater love knows no man than this, than somebody who's willing to lay their life down for another. So that was a powerful message for me about like, where am I personally in my sense of, of giving to God? What gifts do I have to bring that will, that will be like, wow, because I live in a place, you live in a place where we don't have to face that kind of uh, thing. We don't have to go, will I ever have to lay my life down for, for the Lord? We don't, we don't live in that society. But my friends, there are people in other countries that to this day in 2023, that they literally, for standing up for their faith, they could be laying down their physical life. Praise God that we don't live in that. Amen? So today we're going to be focusing on the shepherds and, you know, the, the idea of the shepherds is one that 
a lot of times we look at them and we think of shepherds and all of these different images come to mind. We think of the pageantry that we see at Christmas time and the cute little shepherds with their little cock-sided helmet-shaped you know what I'm talking about? The headdresses and the, the little staff and all of that. And we think of that as, you know, oh, that's so cute. And, and we have all of this imagery. We think for some of us who might have grown up near farms or people had farmers in our homes, we, we have a different view. And we see like, like, wow, man, that's not a glamorous job. I mean, we had some friends one time and Shay uh, made the mistake of saying, oh, I'd love to see a calf born. And they're like, "Uh, okay, well, we'll call you the next time. And uh, she's like, oh, please do, please do, you know, and she's not thinking about and he said, all right, I'll have to call you when they're born. Well, they called one time and it was like 2.30 in the morning and we get a phone call at 2.30 in the morning. And, oh, she's done, you know, she's, she's done put us out there. Like, oh, we're so into this. And I'm like, you into it. I ain't that into it now. Don't be dragging me into your stuff. I'm into the bed at 2.30 in the morning, you know. And so he calls and he's like, man, it's happening. It's happening. And so we get there and uh, I, I'm like, first of all, I hadn't heard the phone. I'm like, this, this is for you. This ain't for me. And. So it's like, hey, you committed us, so get up, get out of bed. So we're out in the middle of a pasture, 2.30, 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, and here's this cow, uh, and she's laying down. And, uh, man, it's, a, it's an experience. And, dude, he hauls off, and he kicks the cow as hard as he can. And I'm like, that looks cruel and <laughs> unusual. And, you know, and, and he, 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 he does it again, full force, full force. And Shay's like, that's cruel. And he's like, if I don't get her off the ground, she will die. And he's like, she has to get off, off the ground. She will die and the calf will die. And so, so we ha- do you remember that? And, and so he's like, I've got to get her off the ground. And this is what's going to get her off the ground. Like, I can't get her off. You can't get her off. The, all of us can't lift her up. So it's like she finally gets up. And, you know, it starts coming out. And it's mucusy, And, you know, and, and uh, you know, of course, <laughs> they're tying ropes and all kinds of things to the feet of the, you know, it's coming out like this. And, 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 I mean, and when it's done, it's beautiful and it's exciting, but it's, it's not glamorous at all. And I'm like, you, you, you look like funky snot from a giant is all over you. It's, 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 it's not glamorous, man. And so you have all these, well, guess what they are? Those are, those are farmers, shepherds. That's what they're out there. They're, they're birthing sheep. Uh, you know, the sheep are doing that, but they're, 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 they're in that whole process. You know, so it's not, it's not always the most glamorous. But I want to I share some things with you about the shepherds. So like, who were the shepherds anyway? Why was this so important that out of all of the people that got the first experience. Like they were a lot of firsts in the story. Like they were the first people that the angels appeared to that actually announced the birth. Like it was announced before Jesus' birth to Mary and Joseph. 
Like that was all before he came. But after he was born, this is the first experience, the first time, the first encounter. What made them so special? And so there's all of these ideas of who the shepherds were. But if you give, get into a little bit of a deep dive and study in this, you'll understand that these weren't just any shepherds. These weren't just any shepherds. They were skilled shepherds. And these were not uh, a generic brand of shepherd. These were highly skilled shepherds for a certain task. And that's why God appeared to them because they would understand some of the things that would be foretold. They would understand some of the things that were coming forth out of the angels' mouths. Now, there's a place called uh, Migdal Eder, which means the Tower of the Flocks. And it's right outside of Jerusalem. Now, you have to understand there's a few geographical places that are happening. You've got uh, Bethlehem. You've got that. You've got Nazareth. You've got that. You've got Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city. Bethlehem is where he was born. Nazareth is where Jesus grew up. So you've got, you know, like this little tri-state thing going on here. But outside of the city, there's this place where they kept flocks for the sacrificial lambs at the tower of the flocks called Migdal Eder. And I know this is kind of getting deep and some of you guys may not even care about this, but in the Mishnah, which is a group of, uh, of, of writings that basically Pharisaical writings, those writings that uh, the, the Pharisees come up with all of these different laws. These are not laws from God. These are man-made laws. And one of their man-made laws is one of those things like, you know, you would have... Um, coming into the municipality of Fairhope or Daphne, and they would, they would uh, we don't want that type of housing this close to our city. Are we, you follow me? Or we don't want that kind of business this close to our city. And so we write laws into place that would keep the riffraff, so to speak, you know, keep the, I'm not, I'm not saying I feel that way. I'm not saying I don't feel that way either to certain things, but what they would do is they would say, we are writing these laws because we don't want just anything close to our municipality. So what would happen is the pharisaical leaders of the time, those are the people who are more, um, they're, they're more concerned with the outward appearance of things than they are really the heart. And so in the Mishnah, they would write these, these Pharisaical laws. And one of them is that you cannot keep sheep anywhere near cities. They have to be kept in the wilderness, not just on the outskirts of town, but you understand in the wilderness. So, um, the only sheep that could be kept close to Jerusalem were sheep that were used for temple sacrifices, all right? So I'm going a little deeper here. So the shepherds who were at uh, Migdal Eder were actually priests, all right? Think about this. They were, they were of the Levitical tribe. Are you following me? So these are people, they're in a priestly duty. They're not maybe the priests that are delivering the message and reading the Torah in the temple, but they are still temple uh, uh, servants. And so they're of a Levitical nature. So 
just like in this house, we have door greeters. Well, you're a priest in the house of the Lord. You might not be giving the message on Sunday, but man, you're a messenger from the Lord. You're a servant of the Lord. And so here you have these very important people so that when the temple, when the, or sorry, not when the temple, when the angels speak of them, uh, of, of the coming of the Lord and how they would find him. They would understand. And there are certain things that the angel said to them that an average person would not understand. Maybe even an average um, shepherd would not understand because if I'm just raising lamb for you to eat, I don't have to keep those lambs in a certain condition. Are you following me? But if I'm raising spotless lambs, I got to keep these spotless. Just because you're born spotless doesn't mean that you'll remain spotless. So I got to protect these. I've got to keep them in a, in a certain kind of quality to be presented to the Lord. All right, so is everybody following me? So these are special, this is a special group of shepherds. This is, the, the Lord's not just appearing to nobodies. He's not, not that there are nobodies. You following me? These are people who, who the angel of the Lord is appearing to them and knows that these people are gonna hear their message and they're gonna understand. We're gonna be speaking the same language. And so we'll get in that. All right, so Migdali there is not just like, oh, this is just, you know, something. No, this is a real place. And so this is, uh, this is, this is an idea of all of the towers. That's not the exact tower, but that's an idea of what these towers look like. So when you understand when it says they were in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night, they literally were in a heightened way looking over their flocks so that they could see out further in the plains. Here's what I want to share with you this morning is that God invites us to be involved in his story. As I was looking at the kids a while ago, there were kids that were up here that were not planned to be up here, I'm sure. Is that right? You know how I know that? It's because... I heard them talking, and as they saw the others getting involved, it's like, I want to go. I want to go. They wanted to be involved. Like, they hadn't probably ever heard this song. They probably hadn't ever, uh, you know, I had more practice than they did, you know. But they wanted to be involved. And I thought, how cool is that, that they wanted to be involved they didn't know what they were about to do. They didn't know how good they were going to be at it. They didn't know if they had what it took, but they wanted to be involved. How beautiful is that? So God, he invites us to be involved in his story, but this is the thing that we need to focus on. The interest and the initiative are up to us. God wants us to be involved in his story, but he does not make us or force us or twist our arm to be involved in his story. So I want you to turn in your scripture to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to drop down to verse 8. We're going to skip all the part about Mary and Joseph. We already did that. So in chapter 2, verse 8, we get to the part where the angels are now appearing to the shepherds. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. They were guarding their flocks of sheep 
Now let me stop real quick. In some versions of scriptures, it will say there were shepherds living in the fields. There were shepherds abiding, staying in the fields. Well, they were staying there because this was their station in their temple duties. So this is where they lived. It was on the outskirts. All right. So suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory shone uh, uh, surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. In other words, he says, this is the first time uh, that we're seeing this. I bring you good news. I bring you the gospel. That's what he's saying. Uh, the Greek word there is euangelizo. Uh, That's the same word that it's like when we're told to go preach the good news, the same word. So we're told to go carry the gospel. The angels are bringing the gospel. This is good news. What's the good news? Jesus died for us, man. That's good news. We're not, we don't have to go to hell, be separated. You know, we can be forever, eternally paired up with our God. That's good news. So the angel said, I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all people. He says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I, I, I want to just stop for a second and just digest these. He's like, hey, the Savior, yes, the Messiah. All right. So all of these guys know who the Messiah is. They're Levites. All of these guys understand who the Messiah is. They're in the word all the time. They're, they're, uh, they know the prophecies. They, they know what the word says in Isaiah, which, which says that, hey, he will be swaddled. They know the prophecies. Are you following me? These are, these, are, these are people who know the word of the Lord at a deep place spiritually and at, well, it should be spiritually, and at a deep place literally. So they know the word of the Lord. And so as he's saying, the savior of the world, yes, the Messiah, yes, the one you've been looking for, yes, all the scriptures that have been pointing to this, yes, the one that has been foretold about, yes, the ones that you've heard through written tradition and oral tradition. You've heard your grandfathers, grandfathers fathers, grandfathers, grandfathers. They told you this down through the ages. This is the one that has been born in the city of David and you will recognize him. All right. That's important. He's saying you're going to see him. And when you see things, you recognize, he said, you're going to recognize him by this sign. All right. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in cloths, lying in a manger, strips of cloth lying in a manger. All right, so this is where Jewish customs and everything comes in. All right, so understand, at Migdaliderre, where these Levitical uh, priestly shepherds are keeping sheep that are being prepared for the, the slaughter, for the sin offerings of the people, all right? So what's happening here is they understand the process to get them there. And so they understand that when we're going to take this, we've finally chosen this is going to be a sacrificial lamb. 
We've got to keep this little guy safe. We can't just be sending any old lamb that's all cut up and bruised up. And even though they didn't have barbed wire, but if you've ever seen uh, an animal that has been gouged by barbed wire and, and, and things, they can't send those to the temple. So what do they have to do? They have to delicately keep them separate. And many times before they would send them to the temple, they would take and they would find strips of cloth and they would wrap the sacrificial lamb in that so it's not hopping and jumping and all of that. Over, and they would place him in mangers because he's not being able to hop, stand or anything. So he just needs a settling place. They would settle the lamb to be slaughtered. Come on now. In the manger, all right? So as the angel is saying this, you will find the baby and you'll recognize him. And when they walk in, all right, and this, all right, can, can I just give you a little bit of rife version? This is complete conjecture. This is not scripture. This is just my mind going like, oh, cool. That, I wonder if that happened. So where did, where did Mary get where did Mary get the strips of cloth? Where, where did she get those? I don't, I don't know where she got those. I don't know if she just tore up a garment that she had. I don't know if the stable was close. You know, it, was, it wasn't out back right behind the innkeepers, you know, like we think in the story. Like, no, it was, no they, had to, they had to go out and find a place. I wonder, was this a place where they maybe just had some swaddling strips of cloth because that's where they got those to wrap the lambs up. And it's like, we need something to wrap the baby in. Hey, there happens to be some cloth right here. I don't know if that's how it happened or not, but when they went to the manger and they saw him, they saw and they put two and two together and they're like, oh my God, this is where we wrap like real life lambs and we lay them here and then we take those and lead these to the slaughter and here's the foundation here here's the lamb of the God, of God slain before the foundation of the world that we we go and find him in the same state that we do sacrificial lambs. And he said, you're going to recognize this because this is a regular process that you go through and it's going to be a sign to you. So as somebody else that would come in and see it might not even recognize the gravity of what's going on. They're like, oh, there's a baby. I guess they just chose that place for a bed. No, it was orchestrated to line up with the scripture just as God had foretold. And he said, when you go, you will find the baby and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find him wrapped snugly in, snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And then suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And in verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other. Now, I'm going to give you a homework assignment real quick. Let me pause. I want you later to go read these verses. And I want you to circle every time you see a word that is some kind of derivative of either see, saw, seen, heard, told, even recognized. That, that's a form of see. When I see it. I recognized it as something. I want you to go just write all of those down and just let the Lord speak to you something out of it. But he says, 
Let's, uh, verse 15, let me back up to that. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened. That's so important. We're gonna dive into it here in a minute. Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and she thought about them often. And the shepherds, they went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. All right. I want to share with you like gifts that the shepherds brought. Pastor Rife, I didn't see there anywhere that it said that they brought any. Uh, listen, they brought gifts to the Lord. And I just want to go through you. First, first of all, they brought faith. The scripture tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Like we all should have a degree of faith. Yours might be bigger than mine. Mine might be bigger than yours. But we all should come to the Lord with some degree of faith. But I want you to look at Luke 2.15. It says, they, they said to themselves, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Did they know that it had happened? Not for real, for sure. Did they see it on TikTok? Did they watch CNN and Fox News? Did they know? Was there any kind of, no, this is the first herald. Hark the herald. This is a first heralding message that says, go, he's been born. And so there's this degree of faith that they've seen this supernatural experience of angels speaking to them. But then what happens is all of their memory of the Torah kicks in. All of their version of scripture that they had at that time, all the prophecies begin to kick in. And it's like, they're like, let's go see this thing that has happened. Like, we're sure it's happened. Here's the thing, man, can you celebrate? Can you celebrate before you see it? I'm just asking us. That's a really good question for us to ask ourselves. I'm, I'm asking myself, am I able to celebrate? Mm, am I able to celebrate it before I see it? Because there's some things that I'm looking for in my life that I have not seen. There are things that I'm hungering for in my life that the enemy has told me. See, I told you it wouldn't happen. See, I told you it wouldn't happen. See, I told you you're God that you get up and you're such a fake. Hear me, this is the enemy talking to me. You know, how he speaks to me. You're, this is how you're God. You stand up before those people and you tell them these things, but your God has failed you. Are you following me? There are some things that I have yet to see that I've asked the Lord, God, could I please see it before I die? I would love to see it well before I die. Please let me see it before I die, God. But even if I die and I never see it on this side of eternity, I'm telling you, my God is real and he is the resource and he's, it will happen. 
It will happen. I may not see it on this side of eternity, but I will see it on the other side of eternity. But here's what I'm asking you today, church. Can you celebrate it before you see it? Like, man, please, let's be people of God that we say, God, I give you the glory in the middle of the valley. God, I give you the glory in the middle of the trial. God, I give you the glory, the praise in the middle of, of, of this chaos. God, I give you the glory in the middle of this fire. I give you the glory in the middle of this right now, God. I celebrate you and I call forth those things that are not and speak them as though they were. I call them forth and that's my level of faith. That is the level of faith that the shepherds had. They're like, let's go. Come on, man. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go and see this thing that has happened. And then the next thing is that they bring is they bring their interest and desire. You know, man, wouldn't it be so, so awesome? I don't know how you wake up on Sunday mornings. I'll tell you how Shay and I woke up this morning. The alarm goes off. And it's like, no, <laughs> how did morning come so fast? And it's like, and she's over there. She's like, I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up. And I'm over there, just a voice of encouragement in the wrong direction. And I said, well, let's, well, let's not. Let's just stay in bed. All right. And then her first alarm that goes off is this alarm that it's all sweet. It sounds like angels dancing and, you know, ballerinas twirling. And then uh, that you better get out of bed alarm is like, ah, 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 ah. I'm like, that just makes me angry. That one, don't play that one again. Like, no, but wouldn't it be so amazing like if we all came to this place, to this house and we're interested and we are expectant of what God is going to do, you know, wouldn't it be great? And I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm sure there are those of us who come and I'm not saying, I don't want you to think that I don't, I wake up that grouchy every, every day, but wouldn't it be amazing if we had that initiative that, or, or sorry that interest that desire that it's like come on man let's get to the house of God let's get to the house of God listen to me my church we've lost that in America we've lost that I don't know when it comes back or if it ever comes back I can tell you when it will come back it will come back if there's tragedy that strikes the United States it will it will. That's how it was in the tribe of Israel That's, or, or in the nation of Israel. That's how it was throughout history, and that's how it has been in our country. That if there is a national tragedy, we would all be falling on our knees, and the church is full, and it's full for a little while, and then we trickle back into complacency. But I'm telling you what, man. Keep your interest alive in what God is doing in, in, in your world. Amen? Keep your interest alive. They had this interest. They're like, hey, we got duties. We have stuff we have to do, but let's go see. We don't, we're not, we're not told. Like, I just know, like, if, if you're in the military, it doesn't matter how excited you are. You can't just leave whenever you want to. 
You have to wait till a designated time where you can have a leave. I don't know if it was like that with them. I don't know if they could be like, come on, man, let's go. We'll get to that later. I don't know if they had to go like, hurry, man, let's get all of our duties. Let's get all the little lambs and all of this and fed and let's get all our chores done. But we got to get over here and see this. But whatever it is, there was an interest there. This is something that the Lord, when he comes, he wants us to be expecting him when we come. God is not looking for a church. He is not looking for a body of believers. He is not looking for a destiny church, a first Baptist church of of Daphne. He's not looking for a first Presbyterian of of Loxley. He's not looking for any church on the planet that is just kind of like, show up if you want to. We don't really care. We've got a program plan. We can do it with or without you, God. We'll do our hour and we'll get on out of here to the restaurant. I'm just telling you, reading the Song of Solomon lets me know how passionate the Lord is about us and how the Lord wants a passionate church. If you just go read the Song of Solomon, you'll see when he comes and when he wants to be with his lover, he is looking for a lover that is anxious and passionate about being with him as he is with them. God is looking for you and I to show up on Sundays. He's looking for you and I to show up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He's looking for opportunities for us to talk to him and love him and sing to him and and just listen to him he's looking for opportunities for us to cry out to him and let him know I can't do this without you God he's looking for those opportunities he wants a church that is interested in him are you interested in the Lord not in what he can do for you not in what you know what's going to happen in this room are you interested in him he says if any man desires to come after me If any man has an interest in me, then let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. So this next thing that they had, they had initiative. If you'll notice, the the angel of the Lord says, "I I, I bring you good news that'll be to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah of the Lord has been born in this town of Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find him in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. If you go back and if you just dissect that, that announcement, nowhere in that announcement is there a command. Nowhere in that announcement, nowhere in that announcement is a directive to go see him. Nowhere. All the angel said was this. Hey, he's been born. He's in the city of David. If you want to find him, this is where you'll find him and this is what he will look like. Peace out. (laughs) They had to sing first. And they're like, holy Moses, what just happened? And they're like, we got to go see him. We got to go see him. Let's go. Let's start packing up. Let's get our chores done. Let's get all, all of this. They never were directed. They were never told. It was of their own volition. It was of their own desire. It was of their own initiative to get there. Listen. Man, I could speak to this and I could get off on soapbox stuff so easily as a pastor in the uh, year of 2023. But you can send people 18 emails 
You can text them 42 times. You could promise them we're giving away free this and free that and free whatever, whatevers. And you can just try to coax people in our modern day and age. But listen, I'm telling you the honest to God truth. Nothing motivates me to come to Destiny Church. My paycheck doesn't motivate me to come here on Sunday morning. Uh, The worship team doesn't uh, motivate. Well, when I say it doesn't motivate me, I want you to understand the context. What motivates me is my love for him. Like, I don't don't need any reminders about what this day is. I was thinking this week uh, about decisions. You know, Worshiping is a decision. Giving is a decision. Coming to church is a decision. Bringing your kids to church is a a decision. Raising your kids in church is a decision. Like you just make a decision. And so for me, like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm not trying to send anybody any messages. I'm just telling you, this is how it is for me and my house. Shay and I were like this before we were ever in full-time ministry. We've been married 36 years, all right? So I I don't know how many years I've been involved in full-time ministry, but there was about, what, four years of our marriage that we were not in full-time ministry, but we were in ministry. And um, we would have people come and stay with us, and we would be like, well, if you'd like to go to church with us, well, we think we're just going to, we didn't bring church clothes, and it's like, well, you can just wear whatever, but even if you don't want to, we will see you after church. Now, now in today's world, (laughs) people would be like, you know, man, that's just so legalistic, and that's just so, and I'm like, "Um, man, if we had more of that type, see, because now you don't need an excuse. Like anything's an excuse. Like it's raining today. Like, I don't know if you know this. Like, dude, I'm in this. I study this all the time. On rainy days, it is proven statistically church attendance will be down. If it's even a cloud in the sky, church attendance will be down. Why? Because well, we just don't want to get out wet. When people in other areas that it's flooding and they go to church, you know, So it's like they took the initiative, like, man, let's be people of God where I, if you look at the seven habits of highly effective people, what's the first habit? I know some of you know it. That's close. That's close. That's one of the top three. Be proactive. That simply says, I take responsibility for myself. I'm going to be proactive about my schedule. I'm going to be proactive about how I do things, how I plan things. I'm in charge of me. Other things, other things in my world, other people are not necessarily in charge of me. At the end of the day, who's in charge of me? I'm in charge of me. I take the initiative. And the shepherds, they brought this initiative. I'm telling you, man, if you will take the initiative to put God first, uh, the next thing is urgency. There was this urgency Man, if we ever uh, in our time need to sense an urgency. As a matter of fact, last week there was a prophetic word that was given in this house through tongues and interpretation. And the word said, the word said this, the word said, prepare the way, prepare the way, prepare the way. All right, so that is a sense of urgency that God is speaking to us. So as God is speaking to us and saying, prepare the way, prepare the way, I want you to look at the shepherds. The shepherds, in Luke chapter 2, verse 16, it says, and they hurried off. 
And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby and was lying in the manger. Now, when the scripture uses words, it, it doesn't just like uh, use urban uh, language and, you know, like whatever the, uh, the latest, like there's so many trendy little words out there. Uh, like, I don't even know some of them. Shay knows them because she teaches uh, at the high school. But, um, but you know, when the scripture uses words that he uses the the scripture the inspiration of the holy spirit uses words to describe what is happening so when it says they hurried off there was a sense of urgency about this and it's like they didn't they they weren't like all right so where are we going to be able to fit this in our schedule you know, they, they, they weren't out, out like, well, I do have company coming in or, you know, I do have this big project coming up. I do have this. Listen, Shay and I are real people. We have real schedules. We have real stuff. We have real life problems. We have real life situations with, with our kids that we got to work out. We got all of these life things. We get sick. We have, like, if you knew how many times that I was sick, that I was standing here, not contagious, but sick, and then I was here, and it's like, you know, I feel like um, my dog just pooped on the carpet. A Big Mac truck just ro- uh, rolled over it, and then somebody came and poured salt on it. You know, I, that's how I feel today. Today, not today, but I've felt like that before. And I've said to people in this church, will you lay your hands on me? And will you pray for me? I just need strength in this body for another couple of hours to deliver the word of God. And then I can go nurse this or whatever. But I'm telling you, they would lay hands on me and I would feel strength come into my body. But they had a sense of urgency about them. And what happens is they hurried off and they're like, we've got to get there. And it's not like, oh, I got to get my, the, the, best seat in the house. I got to get there so I can be the first one on the scene. I got to be there to get my attendance award or anything. They got there because they had a desire and interest to see what God was doing. And then in uh, uh, the next one that they brought is they brought their testimony. This is so important. They brought their testimony. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it says, and when they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. After they had seen it, after they had experienced it, I'm telling you what, church, can I just get you to go here with me for a second? We've asked you over a period of time, share the gospel I mean, in my Bible right here, I don't know what you did with yours, but this next year, I'll have some of these better printed out, nicely laminated or whatever. But I carry this in my Bible, how to share the good news. I carry this. Now, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I don't need this. But there are people that do need this kind of to help them But the reason why I don't need this is because I already digested this over so many years. I just know this. I just know this. All right. But we had a series called Testify, teaching you. Like when you testify, when you're sharing the good news, really you're just sharing the good news. That's what it is. What good news do you have to share with people? What good do you have that God has done in your life? And, and you know, it may not look like there, it came in some prophetic enunciation that the Lord, well, God showed. It could be, listen, man, the Lord healed, healed my mama. The Lord healed my daddy. 
And I'm telling you, if God did that for me, he'll do it for you. Let's pray it over you. Let's pray. I use different ones of y'all's testimony. See, it's, I know your testimony, and I'm like, well, if, I don't know if they use it or not, but I'm going to use their testimony. Like, I was with uh, uh, Pastor Mel on um, Friday, and I'm using Cheryl's testimony because Cheryl had Guillain-Barre syndrome, and she's healed of that, okay? This is a man that's in the hospital that he doesn't even know if he's standing up because he doesn't have, he's standing up, but he doesn't know he's standing up unless he looks down because he can't feel his feet. And I said, the same power that healed Cheryl Trawick come into those feet. The same testimony that she has, he has. And so I'm testifying about something that didn't even happen to me. I'm testifying of a power that I have seen and I've beheld the glory of it and I'm looking forward to seeing it in him. And so they go forth and they're telling the story of what the angels have told them, but then what they have seen with their own eyes. And so testimony is super important in this whole thing about a gift. Like every one of you has a story. Every single one of you has a story. I tell you, last year at uh, our men's retreat, uh, I, and I won't embarrass you, Chris, uh, but because I didn't ask him if I could share this uh, beforehand, but Whenever you and I were sharing, I'm like, dude, I never knew that as part of your story. Like just looking at you, I, you, you wouldn't know that about you. And as he began to share his story, like, dude, can you just come up here real quick? I promise you I won't. I just want them to get this for optics, just for optics, just for optics. Come on, dude, you can walk a little peppier. Where's your desire? Where's your in- initiative? <laughs> look, I want you to look at this, and I want you to s- do you see any similarities? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. There's very few. All right, thanks. When he begins to share his story, I'm like, oh, my God, we are so much alike in our experience. And our, in our life history, in things that have happened to us, in things that have gone on. On the outside, we don't look like it. But on the inside, we share a common testimony. And you never know what that story is in somebody until you tell it. If he had never shared that, all I would have seen was some big old hairy, grizzly farmer-looking guy, you know, from uh, South Alabama. And, you know, putting somebody like that up, up, up besides me, uh, you know, pfft. people say they got nothing in common when we are brothers in the faith because of his testimony man when he shared that testimony not only did the testimony minister to me but the testimony also let me see the value there's a vault right there of 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 wealth and value that is in him that I'm like, oh my God, you got all of this material that you can use to minister to people. You're going to minister to them different than I do. And you're going to go to crowds that look different than me and, you know, places that are different than me. But man, it's the same good news inside of both of us, you know, just in vessels that look a lot different. Amen. So you got your testimony that you can bring to the Lord. And then you've got this. It says, Right here in the scripture, 
Uh, it'll pop up here in just a second. Luke 2.20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So you've got your praise and worship. Man, we take praise and worship for granted in the church. We just take praise and worship for granted in the church. And now, I, I really, man, I love to deep dive into the uh, word here. And I love to go like, now why did, are those words different? Because and means something else, all right? So glorifying and praising God. So that's not like praising and praising. Like that's two different things. They may have some similarities. So I, I, I went and I just was looking into that, studying into it. Praise is that high, you know, man, we're excited. We love what God, this is what God did for us. We're praising him. We're thanking him. Like, you know, our God is amazing. But glory is this value. It's this weight that we sense. And I think, this is just me processing, I think that it's possible to praise the Lord without glorifying the Lord. Like praising the Lord is that thing where it's just like, man, you know, you're giving credit. You're just giving credit and you're excited about it and you're giving credit to that one. But it doesn't mean that you necessarily value that, the, the source of it. Am I making sense? Glory is weight. It's the value, the weight that I feel for him, who he is to me personally. We can come in and we can be excited about worship, but the glory is what brings value to what we're doing because who he is to us. And so as they go back, they're praising God for things, but they're also glorifying God. And I, I want you to understand, and we're about ready to sing a, a couple of songs here in a minute and close out this time. But man, when they saw him, when they beheld him, when they looked upon him for the very first time, they only knew him in this abstract sense of scripture and prophetic words and prophecies. And when they get there, they see him. And the astonishment and like, whoa, he's really here. And that's what he looks like. Like we are the, we are the first people outside of mom and dad who have seen the face of God. He has an eye color. He has a skin tone. He has little fingers and toes. He has all of these attributes and they're seeing this and they're taking it in. And they're not just looking at some little baby, but they're looking at a baby. Now understand, they don't know. They don't know fully how the crucifixion and the end of his life is going to end. They, they know prophetically what's been spoken, but like the, the clarity and the distinctiveness is, is not necessarily. And remember, they're looking for a, a, um, they're looking for a king, political king. So they're not even thinking about him necessarily in the sense of the cross. They're, 
and the sense of deliverer, like, you know, wow, this guy's going to be president one day. You know, that, they're, they're looking at it maybe in that sense of the word. They also could have been looking at it in the sense of him as the Messiah dying for our sins. Like, I don't know. But as they look and they beheld him, there's this sense of value and glory that comes about. And I want to share with you two things really quickly, two things that will sabotage your involvement in the God story. This, these are two things that will sabotage your involvement. God wants you to be involved. He wants me to be involved. He wants us to do this life together with him. He wants us to be his hands. He wants us to be his feet. He wants us to be his mouthpiece. And they were his mouthpiece. And they went back and they were sharing the good news with everybody. They were sharing it, the scripture says, with everybody they came in contact with. They shared the things the angels had said. And they share with them the things that they had seen. And here are two things that if we're not careful as people of God, we'll allow the enemy to sabotage our involvement in God's story. And the first one is our passions. Like passion is a good thing. As a matter of fact, passion is one of those things that we use to describe the death of Christ. Like he was so passionate. God so loved the world. He was so passionate for us. He was willing to lay his life down for us. But our passions, what are we passionate about? And man, I'm just telling you, there are times that we are more passionate about things outside of uh, God's will. It's not that God doesn't give us uh, an allowance to be involved in things and be passionate about those. But here's where the second thing comes in is our priorities. We got to learn to put those passions in the right priority. Put those passions where they fit. And he should be the thing that we are most passionate about. And he should be our highest priority. That is not something that any of us should have to apologize about. That's not something that any of us should have to, to, to think through. Like, I got to go and pray about that, Pastor Rife. Listen, I'm telling you, if you got to pray about that and you can't trust me on this one point, you can't, <laughs> you can't trust me. I'm telling you, we do not need to pray about that. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, his right ways of living and everything else. Seek first him and his righteousness and everything else will be added. All your passions, anything you're passionate about. But our ultimate passion, our ultimate priority is to him. Stand with us and we're going to close out and we're going to sing a couple of worship songs. Say this with me. Sorry, would you put that back on the screen real quick? That last point. I want you to say this with me. Give us just a second to get it back on the screen. It's that last point of the message. Is it there? Sorry. All right. So here it is. God invites us to be involved in his story. The interest and the initiative are up to us. It's up to us. The initiative, the interest is up to us how passionate we are about the Lord. And this is what I want us to do. All right. And as we sing this this morning, I want you to listen to the words. I want you to sing the words. And I want you to imagine 
the scenery that's going on at the, at the manger, at the stable. The shepherds seeing it for the first time, beholding him for the very first time, seeing all of this, experiencing all of this. And, you know, they can't overstay their welcome. You ever had people overstay their welcome? You ever had a time to go, it's time to go and you don't want to leave? There are places that you can be invited to that you really don't want to go. And places that you weren't invited to that you really wish you had been. Listen, God invites us into his story. God invites us to be a part of it. Sing it through the mouths. See it through the eyes of the shepherds as we sing these last few songs together.
came a time where the shepherds are going to have to leave. If you've ever been into a place that it's like you're enjoying yourself or this is so special, but I'm not ready to go yet. I can imagine the angst that they had just seen this thing that nobody else has ever seen before. And it's like, they're like, hey, it's time to go. We got to go. We got to go tell people about this. Think about how they would be feeling.
Spirit, we bow before you. We 
this morning, in light of everything that we've studied, in light of everything that we've sung, I'm going to ask you just to come and bring that passion for the Lord back to Him. To think about those things like, have things gotten in the way of my involvement in His story? Because I want to be involved with the Lord. I want to be involved with what God's got, His plan for my life. Because, listen to me, church, God is going to do His thing through you, not to you. So many people are looking, God, come do this to me. Come, come do this for me. And God is saying, I'm going to do it with you, and I invite you into this. I invite you into this. So how can I do this, Pastor Rife? How can I apply this message today to my world? And here's how. Two things. Number one, I want to activate this right now. Take your cell phones out. Just get your cell phones out. Create a text to yourself. And just for a couple of minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to think, what are some things that are holding you back from your involvement in a deeper spiritual life? Okay? That should need really no other explanation. Just text yourself, what are some things that are holding you back from your involvement in a deeper spiritual life? texting myself. text four things to myself. Many of you might be like, you can find stuff real quick, and some of you might be like, I, I truly don't know, Pastor Rife. I, I truly don't. Listen, every person in here has things. So if you can't, can I just encourage you, just go spend some time with God. 
and just say to the Lord, God, if there's anything holding me back, would you show me? I promise you, God will speak to you. He will speak to you. And when he does, this is just a time of just submission, all right? And here are the things that you need to do. Once you have those things, here here are three things. Maybe some of those things, they're not bad things. They're just not in the right order. Like, that's something the Lord probably takes pleasure in you doing, but not more than him. So just just reprioritize that. Put that in the right order. Rearrange some of those things. And then there might be some things that you just need to remove altogether. Like, this is not something in my life that is bringing me really any value or bringing me closer to the Lord. It's actually doing, you know, the opposite. Just consider it could be an activity, a person, something, feelings, spirits that, you know, play tricks with your mind. If you'll do these two things, you'll take the initiative. I promise you God will do something and he would honor it in your life. So we're just going to allow our prayer team to come down front and they'll be here to pray with you about anything if you have some things. And as they lead us in this next, uh, this, what y'all were just singing, nothing else. As we sing this, I want you to contemplate because here's the thing. So many times we will be at a place where, where we'll, we'll think of things and we're like, yeah, I need to do this. And then we'll walk away and we'll be just like the man in James, uh, in the book of James, James chapter one, I believe is we've looked at it. We've seen it and we walk away, but we don't do anything about it. It's like, no, dude, this is a time of change. Like, think about this. And in this next little part, I just want you to think about, God, I mean business. I mean business this time. And I am going to do exactly what's on the screen behind me. I'm going to reprioritize some things. I'm going to rearrange some things. And there might even be some things that I need to remove because it's holding me back from my involvement in whatever God's story is for my life. You've got an individual thing going on with just you and God. You've got a family thing going on. You've got a work thing going on. You've got a professional thing going on. You've got a corporate family of God thing going on with us as a body. There's a lot going on in your world. Where does God want all of those things to go? If you would, just stand with me to your feet if you can. Let's contemplate this as we surrender ourselves. We reprioritize some things today in Jesus' name. Caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet Caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Lord, I'm not here for blessing Jesus you don't owe me anything anything that you can do I just want you I'm sorry just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where 
Nothing else will do I just want you There's nothing else 